Welcome to the Potter's House North podcast. We hope you'll be blessed by today's message. I'm going to come from a very, very familiar text. Very, very familiar scripture. It's we, if you've been in church any amount of time, you've heard it. Um, coming from Psalms 91, verse 1 and 2. Psalms 91, verse 1 and 2. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, not my mama's God, not my sister's God, not my auntie's God, but my God in him will I trust. He that dwells in shall abide under. He that dwells in shall abide under. Under. For the next few moments, I'm just going to talk from the topic, and I love this, the benefits of the believer, the benefits of the believer. Let us pray. God, we thank you for this opportunity to share your word. Your word is already blessed. My prayers, God, is that you would move by your spirit in this place. God, I ask you to allow this word to uh, uh, break chains, break yokes, God. Set the captive free, God, because there is true power in your word, God. We thank you. We bless you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. The benefits of the believer. Thanks, Jay. Pastor Travis did an excellent job last week in challenging us in the area of the restoration of our souls, talking about how God desires to restore our souls. He didn't say God desired to give us a new soul. He talked about how God desires to restore our souls. I'm not an old man. I'm only 42 years old, but I've lived long enough to know that one of the greatest contributors to the deterioration of our soul is life. I know you thought I was going to say something deep, but no, it's just that simple. One of the greatest things that the enemy can use to cause our soul to get weary is life. All you got to do is keep on living. Here's why. Because life is unpredictable. It's always changing. It's never the same. It's up today. It's down tomorrow. It doesn't ask you for, for permission uh, for the storm to come and hit you. It doesn't make sure you okay with it. It don't ask you for permission. It don't go downtown to get a permit. I'm going to tell you what life will do sometimes is life will punch you so hard that you feel like giving up. Life would do stuff like this. You would wait quite good until you and you and your husband, y'all, y'all are in a good place. Y'all are in a, in, a, in a good little rhythm. And all of a sudden, he'll come home and say, yo, baby, I got a prognosis. They said, I don't know how I'm going to live. I, make, I, I got six months to live. You know, no, no. Or it can be you and your, you and your wife was believing God for, for a child only to get to a point and you thinking, God, this is it. And you have the miscarriage. You've worked a job for 30 years and you're on the brink of retiring and, and you get the note that says, we're closing the company. That's life, y'all. <laughs> That's life. It's unpredictable and it will wear you down. These circumstances will hit you to the point that it call, will cause your soul to become weary. The question I want to ask you today is what do you do when your soul 
is weary. What do you do when your soul is, is tired? I'm going to tell you this. There's nothing worse than a tired soul because you can go to sleep and sleep eight hours and wake up the next day and be just as tired as you was before you went to bed that night before. When your soul is tired, rest can't fix it. What do you do when your soul needs to be refreshed? I've come to believe that there is a war out for our soul. The devil don't want our stuff. He doesn't care about your car. He doesn't care about your house. He doesn't care about how much money you make. The devil wants your soul. 1 Peter 5 and 8 tells us, be sober and be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, is as a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. Seeking whom he may devour. Devour, but I have good news for the believer that while the enemy is yet busy, I want to tell you that God is still in control. Okay, I know the enemy and hell is raging and the storms are raging and everything is going wrong in your life and you may feel like giving up, but God want me to tell you and to encourage you this morning that he is in Control. I want you to put that in the chat. God is in control. This, as a believer, is our distinctive competitive advantage. This knowledge, this awareness of the fact that it doesn't matter how, how bad life gets, that God is still in control. He's still in control. Control. This is the thing that sets us apart from the world. Because when the world encounters problems, they have to go try to find the answer in a book or have to go try to find it in sex or in alcohol or in drugs. But we as believers, we know exactly who to turn to when our soul is weary. Why? Because we know that God is in control. Another distinctive competitive advantage that we have as believers is to develop a relationship, not just with God, but with God's word. <laughs> you you got to get past, and we've got to get past the point to where we, we are depending on Pastor Brady or, or Pastor Travis or, or Pastor Joseph to give us a word. We've got to get to a point like Pastor challenged us a couple of years ago to commit ourselves, to grow ourselves, to get into the Bible and dissect the word and get a word for ourselves. One of the greatest relationships you can develop and cultivate is a relationship with God's words. Here is why. Because God's word is filled with promises. God's word is filled with with benefits that belong to the believer. If you don't know the word of God, then you won't be aware of the benefits. So when your soul is weary and you're tired and you feel like throwing the towel, if you don't have a relationship with God's word, I want to tell you, you're in a danger zone. When you go to God's word, he begin to tell you things and begin to reveal sovereign secrets to you. It is found in the word of God. It's, he shows us his benefits. You got to understand with every benefit, with every promise, there will always be 
something that is required of us. Oh, yeah. The Bible will give you the promises and it will show you the benefits, but it will also show you that, you know what? This is something that God is going to require of you. Yes, Joshua, I'm giving you the, the victory, but guess what? You're going to have to have the faith to march around that wall seven times. Why? Because we have a responsibility and we find that in God's word. In our text today, this very familiar text, we see how God begins to articulate certain benefits that belong to us as believers. You know, there's benefits to this thing. It's, it's like, you know, I work in HR and, uh, and, and organizational management, and one of the things that you have to have if you want to compete with talent and you want to attract talent into your organization, one of the things that you have to have is a good benefits package. Why? Because people are like, I know you're going to pay me good, but I need to know what these benefits looking like. I want to tell you, I don't care where you work at, they're in a benefits package that's greater than the benefits package that you're going to find in the word of God. Psalms 91 begins to articulate some of the benefits that belongs to us as believers. It says this, it says, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now we understand that the secret place is not a location. You can't find it on a map. The secret place is in the presence of the Lord. The first benefit that you and I have access to as believers is the benefit of God's presence. A.W. Tozer, he says this, he says, deep within the recesses of a man's soul lies the overwhelming yearning towards its creator. What he's saying is deep within our soul, we are programmed, we are wired for connection with God. Now the problem is, it takes us a little bit of time to figure out <laughs> That that connection is supposed to be with God because we try to get and fill that void with a multiplicity of other things and they will never fill that void. We try to fill it with relationships. We try to fill it with our career. We try to fill it with our bank account. We try to fill it with our cars. And I'm going to tell you, none of that will be able to satisfy your soul because your soul, it craves a deep connection with God. We were created to worship in a panel discussion a few weeks ago, pastor asked me, she says, what is something that you learned in 2020 that you want to take into 2021? And I said, well, pastor, I know 2020 was hard. I know every kind of storm we thought could hit us, hit us. I said, but the thing that I came into the understanding of is I said, I came into the understanding of the awareness of God's nearness. Oh, my God. The awareness that God is near to me. See, we hear a lot about the goodness of God. We hear a lot about the faithfulness of God. We hear a lot about the righteousness of God. But when grief has me bound and I'm in a stronghold, when I'm a addicted to painkillers or when I am addicted to some other proclivity, let me tell you, I don't need to hear about the goodness of God. I know that's good. I don't need to hear about the righteousness of God. I know that's good. The thing that I need more than anything is to hear about the nearness of God. He's Jehovah Shammah. He is near. 
We serve a God that longs to be encountered, that blows me away, that God longs for me to encounter his presence. He's just looking for an opportunity to invade my life. He's just looking for me to say, Jesus, I need you. And he'll stop what he's doing and come and get in the middle of that situation. Why? Because he is dear. The verse says, he that dwells in God's presence. Mm -hmm. What God desires is for us to be residents of his presence. He didn't say he that visits or he that comes on Sunday morning. He said he that resides in my presence. When we reside in the presence of God, when we reside in that secret place, we get access to things. For example, if you are a resident of my house, you don't have to ask for permission to get things out of the refrigerator. You just don't have to do it. You can just go in and get it. Why? Because you are a resident. My, my little nephew, Zay, I call him Zabo. He's a, I love that kid, man. That's Pastor Travis and Pastor Nina's son. Um, so he, he spends the night with us now. But when he first started spending the night, um, Zay, whenever he would need something in the middle of the night, what Zay would do is he would, he would come to my side of the bed. He didn't never go to Tina's side of the bed. He was always come to my side of the bed, and he'll say, Uncle Buddy, I want some cereal. And then I'll have to get up, and I'll get him some cereal. And then he'll come back another time, Uncle Buddy, can I get some milk? And I'll have to get out of my bed and go get him some milk. I had to sit him down this one time and say, okay, Zay, listen, buddy. Whatever is in my house you have access to it. You don't have to ask me for permission. You can just go in there and get it. What God is saying to us is when we reside in his presence, when we make his presence a priority, there are certain things that we don't have to ask him for. We can just go in and we can get it. Oh God, it gives us, it gives us access. It gives us access. It gives us access. It gives us, it gives us access. See, see, I've come to the realization that some people need a good barber. Some people need a good hairdresser. Some people need a good chef. Some people need a nice car. But there's one thing that I cannot live without, and that is the presence of the almighty God. I need his presence. I have to have his presence. Psalm 16 says, listen, you show me the path of life. For in your presence there is the fullness of joy. And at your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. What am I saying? In the presence of God we have fullness. We have joy. We find direction. I find peace. I find strategies. I learn how to be a better father in his presence. I learn how to be the husband that I need to be in his presence. There's one thing that I cannot live without. And that is the presence of God. Everything I need. Is in his presence. His presence is so dope that my anxiety can't go into his presence. His presence is so dope that my depression, it can't go into his presence. I thank God for his presence. David said, you can take this, you can take that. But whatever you do, God, don't take your presence away, away from me. He says, he that dwells, he that lives in my presence, mm-hmm. You will abide under my shadow. What is he saying? He says, when you make my presence your priority, uh -huh, you shall abide under my protection. 
See, we want the protection of God, the shadow of God, but we don't want to spend time in his presence. The prerequisite for the present, for the, for the, for the protection of God will always be the presence of God. Oh, he says, if you dwell, if you, if you dwell in my secret place, in my presence, you will abide under my shadow. Now, if you know anything about a shadow, is you have to be close in close proximity in order to access the shadow. Jaden, Jaden, okay. Well, well. So if I'm if I'm walking and and somebody is walking with me, if they are way over here, then they don't have access to my shadow. In order for them to be able to access my shadow, they have to be walking close to me. Oh, that's what we need. We need to walk close. With God, my prayer in 2021 is, God, help me to walk close with you because I need your presence. The enemy's job is to try to separate you and to try to cause space in between you and God, you and your source. And he knows that if he can get space between you and your source, you will be outside of the protection of the shadow. So, so he'll do it by using distractions. He'll cause you to worry. He'll cause you to be so stressed out about things that are happening on your job. And it'll cause you and I to lose, lose, lose a, a sight on the fact that God is close to us. And the moment that happens, we separate ourselves from our source. Thus, we are unprotected because we don't have access to the shadow. The second benefit of God's praise, of God's, the second benefit that we have as a believer is the benefit of God's protection. The benefit of God's protection. Verse 3 says this. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from noisome pestilence. See, I, I am a country boy, born and raised in the country, and so I know a little something about hunting. Not, not a lot, but a little something about hunting. And when, when I saw that word, the snare of the fowler, it automatically took my mind to, in, in the country, whenever you're going hunting, there are trappers and then there are traps. One thing that you got to do if you were trying to catch whatever animal you are, what you can't do is just throw the trap out any old type of place. What you have to do is go to where that animal lives, go to where that animal dwells, go to the path that that animal is on. And, and then what you do is you throw your trap. And you don't just throw your trap, you also, you put the right bait inside of that trap. See, there's a trap for everybody. I know you claim to be holy and we are holy and I know you are super spiritual, but let me tell you something. Every last one of us has a trap and the enemy knows what that trap is. And guess what? All of us have bait and the enemy knows what bait that I like or the bait that works for me versus the bait that works for you. And what the enemy will do is he will go and he will set the trap for you and I. The benefits of God's presence, the benefit of his presence is the trap may be set, but it does not mean that I have to fall into it. Oh, God. God is saying, I will, I will protect you from that. I will protect you from that trap. I don't know who I'm talking to. There may be somebody in this room or, or somebody at home watching me, maybe saying, you know what, Chris, you know what, I, I, I fell into the trap. I, I mean, I fell head into, fed first into the trap. I, I want you to look at this particular verse because this verse is not just saying that God will keep you from the trap. He says, I will deliver you from 
the snare. What does that mean? He cannot deliver you out of unless you have fallen into. I'm talking to somebody that has found themselves in an uncompromising situation. You did the wrong thing. You touched the wrong thing. You did what you weren't supposed to do. You fell into the trap. But God told me to tell you, if you dwell in his presence, he will deliver you. Oh, I, my mind... I thank God for my memory because I can look back and I see how God delivered me from the snare. I know the enemy set the right trap. He knew exactly what I liked. He set it right in front of my face. I fell into it, but I can also look back and I can see how God didn't leave me in that trap. He reached down and he pulled me out of that. I thank God for his, his protection. The third benefit that we have as believers it's the benefit of God's peace. The benefit of God's peace. I'm almost done. Verse 5 says, you shall not be afraid. I can, I can jump right there. You shall not be afraid for the terror that flies by night, nor for the arrow that flies by day. Verse 6, nor the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor the destruction that wasted at noonday. Let me tell you something. God is saying you will not be afraid. I know we are looking around and we are seeing unrest everywhere. God brought me here to tell you, don't be afraid. The antidote for fear is the peace of God. The antidote for fear is not violence. The antidote for fear is the peace of God. Now, what is the peace of God? The Greek translation of the word uh, uh, peace here is arame. And what that means is calm and tranquility of soul in the midst of difficult circumstances. Oh, that's what real peace is. Peace is calm and tranquility of soul in the midst of difficult circumstances. God is saying, I will give you a peace that ex external circumstances can't touch. Woo, put that in the chat. God is saying, I will give you a peace that external circumstances. What am I saying? It doesn't matter what you're seeing with your eyes. It doesn't matter what the economy is saying it's going to be. It doesn't matter what people are saying is going to happen to our country. I have a peace that will always surpass my understanding. I refuse to live in fear. I refuse to live in fear. I refuse to live in fear. Oh, the enemy is buffeting somebody right now. Oh, it's like a night terror. He's telling you, I'm going to kill you just like I killed your mama. I'm going to take you out just like I took your daddy out. But God told me to tell you that he can't touch you. You shall not fear because God is on your side. He's on my side. He's on my side. And because he's on my side, he's giving me peace. He's giving me peace. He's giving me the peace that grounds me. He gives me the peace that guides me. He gives me the peace that guards me. I'm going to say it again. He gives me the peace that grounds me. He gives me the peace that guides me. He is giving me the peace that guards me. The kind of peace that will make you talk back to fear. That's what Pastor Brady, she's challenged us. Sometimes you got to talk back to fear. Because if you don't watch it, fear will paralyze you and cause you and I to forget our resources. 
Oh, fear will make you forget that you are stronger and you have what it takes to overcome whatever it is that's trying to overcome you. I'm going to say that again. If you're not careful, fear will make you forget what you are packing. Fear will make you forget that you are stronger than what is trying to overtake you. Oh, I thank God for his peace. I thank God for his his peace. The fourth benefit is the benefit of God's perspective. I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm almost done here. The benefit of God's perspective. All of this is found in Psalms 91. Let's go to verse 9. He says, because thou hast made the Lord which is my refuge, even the most high, thy habitation, verse 10, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all, not some, not three-fourths, not one-half, but to keep you in all of your ways. When you hear people say he's a keeper, that's what they're talking about. They're talking about God is just not interested in keeping in 10% or the 30%. God is saying, I will keep you in all your ways. Now, what does it mean to be kept by God? What does it mean to be kept by God? God, what, what, what do you mean to be kept by God? Now, here is the tension in the text. And I'm about to mess with somebody right here. I'm about to mess with somebody because perspective is everything. It's not always what you see. It's how you see it. So when you think about being kept by God, it's not just that one perspective. It's not what you see, but it's how you see that God has kept you. Now, let me be honest, and I'm going to have a transparent moment because this part of the text, this is where most preachers will go and you'll start hooping and hollering and you'll tell people that he's going to give his angels charge over thee and he's going to keep you and he'll say, he'll say, and all of that's wonderful and I was good with everything, but let me tell you transparently in just an honest moment, here's something that messed me up, verse 10. <laughs> I had a real problem with verse 10. It says, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. Y'all, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Plague has come nigh our dwelling. Perspective is everything. Remember that. So I had to say, okay, God, I'm having a problem with this text. Now, either I'm reading it wrong because plague has come nigh my dwelling and some bad things have happened to me. I have seen people do me wrong and prosper. God says, okay, I'm going to help you. Read it again. I said, okay, I'll read it. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, 
neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. I didn't, I said, God, I still don't get it because I have seen bad things happen to worshipers. <laughs> I said, God, I don't get it because I have seen people that I know love you. People that I know have served you with their whole heart, but I've seen them get sick and die. I've seen people that love you have to bury their young child. I've seen people that love you with their whole heart. I've seen their marriages broken up. God, this doesn't make sense because in your word, you're telling me that you're going to keep all of this nigh me. You're not going to let it come near me. God says, let me tell you something. You're making the fatal mistake of trying to superimpose your desires onto my sovereignty. Oh, my God. <laughs> Boy, you are trying to superimpose what you want. On to me being sovereign. Do you not understand that my ways are not your ways? My thoughts are not your thoughts. My, let me tell you something. My perspective will never be about your convenience, Chris. There are a lot of things that you don't understand. He said, read it again. I was getting mad at that point. I said, okay, I'll read it. He says, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. Help me, Holy Ghost. No plague come nigh thy dwelling. Notice that we begin this text by talking about dwelling but it wasn't a physical location. It had nothing to do with my body. It was the place of his presence. So I got a little Q&A for you. Where does God desire for us to dwell? In the secret place. Next question, what is the secret place? The presence of God. How do we access the presence of God? Through worship. Immediately in that moment, God took me back to when I was a little boy. I couldn't have been any more than about seven, eight years old. And I was my grandmother's favorite. My grandmother on my dad's side, his mother. I was her favorite. She was a pastor, a powerful woman of God. She always wanted me to be close to her. Would always go to her house and hang out. But God allowed me to witness something that my little seven-year-old mind could not reconcile. He allowed me to see this great woman. This woman that had an acute awareness of his presence. This woman that loved the people of God. 
I mean, watch, allow me to watch cancer strike her body. I, I, I couldn't make sense out of it. Because what, what was happening is in my little seven-year-old mind, I am trying to rationalize, God, why? What does she do to deserve this? What does she do to deserve this, God? I watch cancer eat the flesh of her bones. Watch her wither physically to almost nothing. Oh, God. I watched her come to the brink of giving up. I remember when she used to love looking at televangelists and when one would come on, she would say, baby, try to bring that little TV over to me. It was a little TV. Bring, bring it over here to me, baby. I just need to, I need to put my hands on the TV. I'm, I'm believing God. And I would try to get the TV and bring it over to her. And she would just, by faith, put her hands on the TV. But it didn't cure her cancer. Cancer took her body. But I also have a memory <laughs> of seeing her in that recliner, frail, sick, couldn't eat. I still recall looking and seeing her with her hands in the air, worshiping God. I, re I can still see it, her still saying, God, I trust you. <laughs> God, I'm in pain, but I trust you. What God brought back to my memory was this fact. Cancer got her body, but cancer did not get her praise. Oh, oh God. See, the pain will attack your body. But God is saying when he's talking about, I won't allow it to come nigh thy dwelling. If you dwell in the secret place, what are you saying? It doesn't matter what's going on in your body. I'll make sure that it don't take your praise. It don't take your hallelujah. It don't take your Lord, you're worthy. It don't take your God, I need you. Jesus. That's the secret place. That's the one thing that the enemy couldn't touch in Job. God allowed him to touch his stuff. He allowed him to touch his family. But God never allowed him to touch his praise. And Job mustered the strength to say, this phrase, naked I came into this world, and naked shall I return. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord. This is why real worship 
is real powerful because it confuses the enemy. The enemy knows the traps that he's set for you. The enemy knows what you are going through. The enemy knows what you've lost in 20. The enemy knows what you lost last year. The enemy knows all of this. But when you and I, we muster the strength to lift our hands before an almighty God and say, though you slay me, yet will I trust you. Oh, that's real. That's real worship. Oh, that's real worship. That's real worship. Oh, that's the stuff that keeps you close to God. Oh, that's real worship. That ain't fake worship. That ain't circumstantial worship. That's the kind of worship Dwelling in the secret place. What that does when you learn how to worship God like that, God will show Himself in your life like you've never seen Him. I wish I could tell you that things are going to get better. They might. They might get better. We may go back to normal. But what happens if we don't? I am saying, God, whatever you do, if we never go back to life as normal, forever reminded and aware that you are with me. Oh God. If he's with me, it doesn't matter what's going on around me. I'm going to be okay. God told me to tell you that you are going to be okay. I know the grief may seem like it's taking you down. God is saying, I'm with you in that grief. I know the divorce has broken your heart. Become callous. God is saying, I'm with you in the middle of this pain. That is the benefit that we have as a believer. That God is with us. I'm closing and I'm done. It's like my third close. I remember when Joy was little probably three and Joey uh, you know was trying to teach him how to swim and you know old school they just kick your butt in the water but you know we didn't do that so the way I went about teaching him was I said I gotta make sure that he doesn't develop a fear of the water so what I would do to Joey is I will put him right here I will hold him and then we'll 
will step into the water and say, okay, you feel that? Yeah, Dad, I'm good. Yeah, I love this, Dad. Okay, good. Then I will step down a little bit deeper. Yeah, Dad, this is fun. He's splashing. He's splashing. Step down some more, and now the water's starting to hit like his little belly button. And he tensed up a little bit, but then he was like, oh, this is fun, Dad. This is fun. We'll step down a little more, and now the water was at his shoulder. <laughs> All of a sudden, Joey grabbed me real tight, and he was squeezing me for dear life. And I had to tell him, Joey, listen, as long as I'm with you, I won't let you fall. <laughs> so we'll try it again. I step down. He's good. Step down some more. He'll start to tense up. I'll say, Joey, what did I tell you? As long as I'm with you, he'll say, you won't let me fall. I began to step down some more, and then it got to where it was at his neck. And he was squeezing me and holding on for dear life again. But I said, Joey, as long as I'm with you, he would say, Dad, you won't let me fall. We got a little deeper. And I could see the panic in his eyes because he was questioning, Dad, do you really have me? We got into that deep water. He held me tight and I said, Joey, what does this mean? He says, Dad, as long as I'm with you, you won't let me fall. I want to tell you, just like I had to coach my son, God is encouraging you that as long as you dwell in his secret as long as you make his presence a priority, as long as you do that, he'll give you access to his protection. He'll give you access to his peace. He'll change your perspective because you walk in this knowledge that as long as he is with you, he won't let you fall. That, my friend, is the benefit of the believer. Thank you for joining us today. We'd love to have you join us online every Sunday morning at 9 and 1130 a.m. Central Standard Time. Streaming live at www.tphnd.org slash watch now or through our Potter's House North app.